And welcome to my tennis coaching podcast. I'm your host and founder at mytenniscoaching.com, Steve Whelan. I hope you're well. It's been a few weeks since my last podcast. I've been busy delivering LTA coach forums, LTA coach workshops, coaching. I've also had a holiday, which was nice. I had a couple of days in New York, which is lovely, but also very expensive. Don't know how you people live in New York with the cost of living over there. But there we go. So a few weeks away. So I hope you're well. And today I want to talk about player development and how soon do we make these players professional? And by that, I mean a few weeks back, I was delivering a coach workshop. It was actually a qualification. And on the workshop, we had a, a player, a professional player, someone who's playing professionally at the moment, ranked number one in their country playing international tennis and we're talking about player development at under under eight it was and the importance of building confidence in these young players and and making sure that we focus on them be a bit more player centered and it was interesting because the player questioned that approach and said well we need to make sure that the player is disciplined the player is focused there's an intensity to the training and we are getting them ready for life as a pro player. And we're talking about under eight here. It was interesting coming from a player and my experience, again, I don't know the player's background. My experience is probably that's what, how they've been growing up, discipline and stuff like that. Because for me, you're a creature of habit. You're always a creature of your own personal environment. Without going too deep and asking too many questions into it, that was just my assumption. Whether that's right or wrong, I'm not too sure. And it, it's a, it's a common one a lot among parents and coaches that when they're working in performance, and this wasn't a performance qualification, it was just a, a development qualification, it was a level one qualification. But this this mindset of performance, when you're a performance player, you have to be dedicated and you have to be focused and you've got, you've got to work with intensity and it's it's not messing around. It's not fun. It's meant to be training. And I get that at a level. At under 10, I think that's really, that's really toxic. And, it, and I see it a lot with parents. And I see it a lot with players, uh, coaches, where they produce these very, professional looking environments for these players and the coach or the parent treat them like a professional and you only have to go to the, to the club tonight and you'll see they'll turn up in their tennis gear they'll have tennis bags they'll look and dress like the professional tennis players and part of that is is the kids playing the role of a tennis player so they look like tennis professionals and if you look at some of the practices that coaches set up they train like professionals they will do a very physical dynamic warm-up of what stretching and lunges and twisting and turning like the pros do they will then do exercises or practices or drills whatever you want to call them very similar to the pro the coach will act like a pro coach and they'll be quite explicit in their conversations and they'll be quite dictatorial and sometimes quite shouty and quite intense a bit like you'll see tony nadal with rafa but 
my concern about that is these are children and i'll tell you a story i first realized my mistake in this area when i went to my first tournament with a player way back when when i started coaching i traveled to corby which i'm hopefully going to this weekend funny enough i went to corby for 12 counties with my player i was only coaching maybe what 12 months that's my first big county level tournament with a player where i actually traveled with the player's family for a night away obviously quite exciting for a young coach to be doing that kind of stuff and it was interesting because i traveled down with the family mum and dad sat in the front i sat in the back with the player and it really struck me on that trip because the only other time i'd seen this player was on a, in, a, in a tennis environment so they come onto the court like i said with the bags and the cut and the bags and the and the clothing they look like a tennis player. I treated them like a tennis player. I acted like a professional tennis coach, and I thought they were a professional, mini professional tennis player. And it wasn't until I actually come off the court and I was sitting on the car driving down to Corby. That's a long drive to Corby from 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 the northwest. It's a bit shorter these days now. I live south. But what struck me about the player was, oh my god, this is just a kid. They sat there in the back of the car, and it was way before smartphones, but they sat there, they coloured in, they played little games, they slept, they moaned about needing it, they moaned about the journey, and it really gave me an eye-opening to, like, this is just a child, so how I treat and how I communicate with this person is wrong. I'm treating them like a professional, I'm treating them like a serious, like this is their job. Their job as a tennis player and they come and they train and it's all serious. And that one trip changed my whole view of they're just a kid. So I need to let them be a child. I still need to teach them tennis skills. I still need to help them develop their tennis ability. But I can't do it as if they're a 20-year-old Djokovic. They may look like a Djokovic in terms of how they dress and the equipment they carry. But mentally and physically, they're not. And I and I thought about that when when the coach on the course was was asking the question or giving their opinion on what these players need at this early stage. And my answer, which is the answer I'm going to share now, was just let them be a child. Like there's time and a place for them to learn how to be a pro player, learn to train. Was is a great phrase from long-term athletic development there's a there's a time for that it's not under 10 at under 10 they need to learn to love the game and and the coach used Djokovic as a, an example of well, when Djokovic was five he gave an interview he said he wanted to be world number one and Djokovic was born to be world number one and that's all he ever wanted since he could walk and talk that's who he wanted to be and my pushback on that was no one's no one is born thinking I want to be world number one tennis player Again, it goes back to culture. The family probably wanted a career. Again, I don't know Djokovic's full story, but the parents had a huge influence on that. Djokovic didn't just wake up at five and go, I, I want to be world number one. People don't walk into tennis with a love of tennis. They develop that love over time through great experiences, whether that be coaching or match play or, or playing with their friends. So that, that 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 need for Djokovic to be world number one, that's not Djokovic talking. That's Djokovic saying what he probably wants people around him to hear. 
very rare that I think people will say that. So we have to understand that probably if you if you were asked to if you asked a five year old Djokovic what he wants to do, he'd probably go and play. Go and play with his toys, go and play with his mates. And I get this a lot now within coaching where players just give me what I call stock answers or classroom answers or what I want to hear answers. So when I ask my players, what do you want to do? Or why do you want to play tennis? Then they probably give me the answers. Oh, I want to get better. I want to improve my ranking. I want to play for a county. But none of them turn around and say, well, no, I'm here because mum's making me. Or I'm here because I've got a slight interest in tennis, but I'm not too sure how far I want to take it. Because they don't know it at, at, at this stage. So we've got to be really careful with that. So it's trying to understand what kids want. I was having a conversation, I think I mentioned it on the last podcast, about, about player pathways and the parent being really worried about going on holiday and missing a couple of tournaments. Oh, but these are quite big grade tournaments and we're going to miss out on ratings and ranking points. And my advice was go on holiday. Enjoy your life. Like, There's no guarantees whether or not if you play those tournaments that the player is going to make it as a pro player. And there's no guarantee that if you don't play the tournaments that they're not going to be a pro player. So don't sacrifice stuff at this stage. There will be a point in the player journey where you're going to have to make sacrifices. But at under 10, don't make those sacrifices. Because they may not be needed. So go on holiday. Let the players enjoy their coaching at under 10. And At any stage, I did an adult session yesterday. And the adults are going, oh my God, this is so much fun. And we go, well, you know what? It's meant to be fun. You can have fun and develop skill at the same time. It doesn't have to be serious and intense. There is an element of fun. And obviously there's a balance there. I think you don't want you don't want players to be silly and it comes disruptive. But it should be fun. So do I believe these players have to be mini before, uh, mini pros? No. I think it's harmful. I think it's really bad. I think if you if you get these players, and a, a couple of examples I'm going to give now, if you get these players only focusing on tennis, and that's one of the key things that I'm seeing now more and more within coaching, is players are specialising in tennis really early. Oh, we're dropping swimming, we're dropping gymnastics, we're dropping football, we're dropping this, we're dropping that. We're going to do tennis more and more. Part of that goes back to a podcast I said the other week where coaches and programs are pushing that on parents now. You need to do more tennis. You need to do three individuals, three groups a week. You need to buy your X, Y, and Z tournaments. The downside of that is it becomes a job. I've had players in the past where they're, they're training every day at the age of 10. It's a job to that player. Plus, they also have to go to school. So the players training before school, they're going to school, they're training afterwards. They're doing two jobs. It's a job. And after a couple of years of that, they turn around and go, I don't want to do this no more. Because it's just, it's the fun's taken out of it. It's a job again. Because they've done too much too early. It's that classic burnout. You then get players dropping other team sports. So they're dropping team sports like football and basketball, hockey, netball to specialise in tennis. 
but then you're taken away from the friends, the group of friends. You're also taken away a great potential for skill development in other areas that we don't touch upon. And myself and a fellow coach saw about this the other week about strength and conditioning under 10. I believe just get them to play team sports. You don't have to do specific S&C with under 10s. If they play football, they'll get loads of speed and agility and balance stuff in a different setting. And it won't feel like fitness. And most of strength and conditioning sessions that I see tennis coaches do are poor. Because one, we don't have the expertise. And two, the kids don't buy into it. The kids don't understand the importance of it. Because again, they don't want to train. There's adults I know who don't want to go to gym and train. But we're expecting these kids to go and train in ways. And they're doing quite isolated and linear skill development stuff that they're not going to use on a tennis court. Like, I can never for the life of me understand why we use agility ladders. Because you don't move like that on a tennis court. It, it, it makes no sense to me why we, we train skill development in situations that we don't replicate. Now, I, I know you don't play football on a tennis court, but the quick change in the movement, the decision-making, the environmental perception skills are all very similar. You have to read situations. You have to physically react and mentally react to a constantly evolving environment. That's more beneficial than getting kids to do 10 squats. So dropping other sports, I just think is a really bad idea from a parent and coach's point of view. If I had the choice, you'd do two tennis sessions a week and then you'd do three or four other different sports because it's about developing that 360-degree skill tree. I want you to develop as many skills as possible at this, at this young age because we know from physical development as you get older, your ability to develop those skills gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So we really have to understand that under 10 is quite a key stage where you have to develop the physical skill base and not just get them to be one-dimensional, not just get them to be good tennis players, but get them to be rounded athletes. And again, it's something I think, I think does more harm than good because we're taking the players away. And sometimes, especially in the UK, I've had it so many times I've lost count, where players are made to choose between football or soccer and tennis, and they'll pick football. Why? Because they love it. Because it's part of our culture. It's, 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 it's in the fabric of, of people here in the UK. Every single family will support a football team, give or take. Not every single family, very few families watch tennis. So when we give kids these choices, they will generally pick football. And if they don't, and if they if they pick tennis, they'll resent not playing football. So why are you making them choose these decisions? At some point, they will have to choose because they're going to have to be a, a little bit more invested in, in tennis. But not at this stage, not at the under 10 stage. They really have to be focused on one thing, being a child, being a kid. And the way I phrase this now is I'm not teaching tennis players. I'm teaching children to play tennis. And it goes back to that whole player-centered approach. I'm not teaching them how to be a tennis player. I'm teaching them how to be a kid. 
how to explore, how to have fun, to give them an idea of their potential, give them an idea of what they're capable of physically and mentally. I'm not teaching them how to hit a tennis ball. And it's just, again, really interesting to hear a player's point of view. And I don't want to give too much away for the player, but I'm guessing, again, coming from a country that is quite strict, quite disciplined. I can imagine that the coaching is very disciplined and strict as well. But as we move into 2023, is that hard approach of potentially, again, in tennis terms, stereotyping here, I don't believe it's correct, but the Eastern European nations being very strict and disciplined and it's, it's about lots of repetition. You only have to read Agassiz's book to see how disciplined his dad was on him and the amount of balls he hit. And people look at that and think, okay, that's how you make a player. Agassiz hit thousands of balls against a ball machine. Let's just do that. That goes back to the Djokovic comment that, that the coach made on the workshop. Oh, but Djokovic did it that way. Djokovic was so disciplined and so focused at five. And my response to that is Djokovic, in the nicest possible way, is a freak. He is the 0.00001% because he is so unique. And they and they use Feather as well. But if again, I don't know a lot about Feather's background, but what I've looked into it, multiple sports. I'm guessing Djokovic played multiple sports. I've seen Djokovic throw basketballs. I've seen Djokovic hit golf shots and play football. He is a multi-sport athlete. Federer, multi-sport athlete. Murray, again, I know a little bit of Murray's background, obviously being here in the UK. Multiple sports. Nadal, multiple sports. Like these, these players didn't specialise, but little clips like that and and coaches and parents have this perception of it has to be really serious really soon. And that's the danger of giving them the tennis bags and the tennis kit. They look like mini professionals, giving them strength and conditioning, giving them these programmes of three, four hours a week and lots of individual coaching and player plans and stuff like that. Just let them be a kid. As coaches, we want to know, okay, how we can help them along the journey. But the player doesn't need to get into into all that detail. And it goes back to what I was saying last week about pathways. I just don't think I don't think it works. I don't think systems work. Someone put on my Facebook group this week. Why can't the national governing body produce players? Or sorry, why can't the national governing body systems use players? I don't believe system produces players. Because a system makes it sound like last week's conversation, uh, last podcast conversation. A system sounds like, well, if you're in the system, you'll make it. And, and there's no guarantee. So, yeah, just thinking about how serious to, to, to make coaching at this younger age group. And again, there's a great comment the other week about attitude from a coach and talked about, okay, what happens if a player's got a bad attitude? What do you do? How do you discipline them? And my first response was, well, got a bad attitude because they're probably not enjoying what's happening. They're either not enjoying it because they're bored, not enjoying it because it's too difficult, or they may just not like tennis. So we either need to find a way of breaking down those barriers and then getting the player engaged. Or it might just be a case of tennis isn't for you. Maybe you just don't like tennis. That's fine. Find something you do like. No point trying to make someone like something. 
if tennis isn't for them, it's not a reflection on the coach or, or anything like that. It might not it might not just be for them. And I think sometimes we we're trying to just make things work all the time because I think part of it's because the player base is so small, and we aren't in competition against other sports, and we're scared of that competition sometimes. That's why we try and push and promote more tennis. I'm slightly opposite. I'm like go go and play football. Go and play basketball, go and play hockey. Go to birthday parties. Go to your friends for sleepover. Don't sacrifice stuff. Because I don't want you to miss out on it. Because at some point, you you look back and regret it. You don't have to be a professional player now at under 10. And more and more, I'm, I'm seeing it in these performance pathways and performance groups and performance programs. We'll look at these kids like professionals. And they're not the kids. So the moral of the podcast, I guess, for me today is let them be kids. Let them play. Let them explore. Let them go to birthday parties. Let them let them go on holiday. Let them play other sports. And obviously, if they're showing showing some interest and love the tennis and they want to play more competitions and stuff, then our job is to help them on that journey. It's not to force it down the throat. So there you go. If you enjoy the podcast, do me a huge favor. We are growing, so thank you for everyone who's listened and hit the follow button or subscribed or even left left a review. It's really appreciated. It's just another form of content for me to talk about my coaching journey. That's why it's called My Tennis Coaching, and hopefully it helps. It resonates with some coaches out there, and hopefully if it resonates with you, take something from it, make it your own. If it doesn't resonate with you, Ignore it. Don't have to worry about it. Until next time, please check out mytenniscoaching.com. Lots of articles, webinars, and workshops on there, which you can take part in. Follow me on Instagram at mytenniscoaching. And if you have any suggestions for content or discussions, or if you'd like to come on and have a chat and share your coaching voice, let me know. Just drop me an email at steve at mytenniscoaching.com. And until next time, I'll speak to you soon.